If you are an accounting firm that wants to include things like video content, especially for complex visuals like financial statements, you can build that out on your website and then make it a hidden page so that only your clients can see it. Welcome to the Media Books Podcast, the only place on the internet where creative accounting isn't a bad thing. Owning a virtual firm today means having a professional and modern online presence. And in this podcast, we talk about how to do just that. My name is Kristen Corey, and I'm the owner of Media Books, a media agency that provides creativity exclusively to accounting firms. And if you're an accounting firm owner, you're in the right place. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Media Books Podcast. In this podcast episode, I am going to talk about what to do after your website is published. So you know having a website is important. It helps people find you online, and it can be a great way to formally establish yourself as a firm. People will take you more seriously, and honestly, there's just a lot to be proud of when you see your virtual storefront. But then what? Once your website goes live, what do you do with it? It's all too common for accounting firms to post their website and never touch it again. So today I want to talk about the role your website should play in your marketing strategy. But first, a headline. So this is from Going Concern. The headline reads, The IRS has stopped processing ERC claims because ERC mills are scamming the F out of them. And just a quick uh, little quote directly from the article, Um, as I'm sure you've heard about the ERC claim, but this is essentially what the article says. The IRS has announced today that it has issued an immediate more. Oh gosh, moratorium, I can't say that word, on processing new employees' retention credit claims at least through the end of the year. The agency cited rising concerns about a flood of improper employee retention credit claims driven by aggressive promoters as the reason for closing the door on ERC claims. Now, this is, you know, I'm sure if you listen to any accounting podcasts or if you're in any accounting Facebook groups or on LinkedIn, I'm sure you've heard about this. And chances are your clients have as well. And I don't really want to talk so much about this specific headline as I want to talk about what we should be doing with these headlines as they appear. And frankly, they appear more often than you may think. For example, back in March, we had the Silicon Valley bank collapse. I was about three weeks into my maternity leave and knew this headline was big enough that I needed to step back in. Not life shattering, you know, 80 hours a week work, but I wanted to check back in with my clients. And I want to talk about what this consisted of. Essentially just an email, Um, just kind of at a high level For this particular instance, it was just an email, but this is a great way to start. And in this email, I did a few things. The first thing I did was address that there is a major event in the news and we knew about it. As a business, I knew about it. We were monitoring the situation. I briefly described the event, one to two sentences, and then I linked out to an article that gave more detail, just in case I had a client that was living under a rock and had never heard about it. The second thing I did was I talked about how this may or may not affect my clients. While none of my clients, accounting firms, 
likely had their own money tied up in SVB. They very likely had clients who did. So not everyone, but I mean, there was a few. Knowing this would affect some of my clients' clients. I want to to talk about it. And so I'll also talk about how this may or may not have affected them. And essentially it was notifying them, hey, your clients may be wondering what's going on. This is something that's on their radar. And the third thing that I did was I explained how we can help and provide uh, provided some suggestions on how we could do that. I talked about the role marketing could play in handling this situation. Uh, for example, sending email campaigns, draft social media content, blog content, um, those sort of things. And then I also explained scope. So we may not be able to help them like establish policies or procedures or a specific game plan on how their clients should handle these issues, but we can help our clients, the accounting firms, you guys, put together a sort of public statement, an email, um, a blog post, what have you, on how you want to get the word out. So I bring this up because just this last week, I was on a call with a client and this ERC came up. She told me about one of her clients who would now have to wait um, to claim their you know, ERC, ERC claim. And we were talking about her email campaigns and how this would be a good point to bring up, not just because she has one client, but this is probably something that all of her other clients are also hearing about. So she's already been in contact with this one client, um, you know, who this will affect. But for even those who have not filed the claim, it can give them some peace of mind knowing that you as a professional accounting firm are aware of these situations. You were also part of the conversation and you as their trusted professional are weighing in and you're reaching out to them before they can reach out to you. Even if they're just kind of wondering, oh, I wonder what would happen to me if I had done this. Well, your accounting firm is already on top of it. This is perceived value. This is what separates those, you know, $100 a month backyard bookkeepers from the accounting firm that can charge a thousand plus per month. So once your website is established, you're probably like, okay, I just posted it online people will just come to my website and I'll get all these leads or I'll do some marketing and I'll, you know, talk about, you can go to my services page whenever I'm promoting it. But there are actually a lot of strategic ways you can use your website in your marketing strategy. And there's three specific areas that I want you to consider or at least keep in mind as you're working through your marketing strategy. And the first is that you can use your website for marketing. So your website should be directing the conversation. When people land on your website, they should know what you are trying to promote beyond just your services. So, for example, I mean, if you're in tax season, you want to tailor the copy to focus on tax season. And then during the rest of the year, you can focus on things like bookkeeping or advisory services. Bring the services you want to promote front and center. Do this with your copy, but also reorganize just how your services appear. So in the menu bar, if you have like bookkeeping, advisory, tax services... Make sure tax services are at the top. And when you want to shift your strategy to bookkeeping, make sure bookkeeping's at the top. And the same thing for your homepage. If you have a description of services, make sure the one that you are trying to promote sticks out just a little bit more, not in a super obvious way, but make sure it's at least the first one that people read. And so how can you bring website visitors into your marketing strategy? So if your marketing strategy has leads 
pointing towards email campaigns, meaning when you are posting content on social media, when you are talking to, you know, let's say you're a guest on a podcast, and they say, where can we reach you? And you want to direct them towards your email campaigns because that's the meaty part of the funnel where you get a lot of return on your investment there. Continue to focus on new and creative ways to bring them into that pipeline, specifically your email campaigns. If it's your podcast, then highlight your podcast. If it's your YouTube channel, highlight your YouTube channel. But this was something that we discussed when we were talking about building your website in our last episode, but it can really be refined over time. And especially as trends emerge, you know, you don't always want to be kind of working with trends from two years ago, really kind of pay attention and think about, okay, this is my marketing strategy. This is the trend. How can I make my website also when people land on my website, part of this conversation that's happening. The second thing is to create reoccurring content with your website. So, I mean, this is if you care about SEO and you should, (laughs) but in a nutshell, I look at SEO like I look at Gap. If you own a private company, you do not need to operate under Gap, but generally it is going to provide you with a lot of good guidance. From time to time, you may deviate if appropriate, but generally speaking, (laughs) generally, it's generally accepted accounting principles. Generally, it is helpful. Same thing goes with SEO. SEO is just good marketing practice. So you might as well integrate it into your strategy. It's not going to be appropriate all the time, but generally it's good practice. There's a lot of behind the scenes work that goes into SEO, but a lot of times SEO is just making sure that there's like no broken links on your website and you are staying on subject. General, very basic level, that's what SEO is. I also like SEO because it's a long-term marketing strategy that does not focus on trends. It can be very difficult if you are focusing on trends to quickly shift if you're not quick on your feet. So when Reels came about, unless you are really great at recording short-form content at the very beginning, it probably took you some time to get comfortable with that. And there's going to be a new trend tomorrow with something that we're all uncomfortable with. So focusing on SEO can kind of give you a little bit of steady growth. It's like a long-term... It's It's that long-term investment, right? Where you're not looking at, you know, the immediate day-to-day up and downs. You're thinking long-term. That's what SEO is. And it can be built over time. And those strategies often provide you with content that has a longer shelf life. So for example, if you're using blog content or YouTube content, typically we can focus on subjects that are more long-term and we can always refer back to them. We can upgrade those blog posts and they can kind of just keep building and building. And Also, I want to note on with SEO, it's not as complicated as you think. I know a lot of times it sounds really technical, but SEO really just comes down to two things. One, providing users with a great experience, and two, content. Showing that you are still in business, you are out there, your business is alive and kicking, come, you know, come check out our website. Both you want to do, frankly, regardless of your thoughts on SEO, so you might as well integrate it into your strategy. When it comes to creating content on your website, that is the second part of building SEO, there's different ways you can deliver that content. You can focus on news, education, resources, um, and this can be in many different forms. You can do blog content, you can do podcast content, you can do video content, you can do email campaigns and then publish those to your website. You can get really creative with this, but just having something something going onto your website on a regular basis really helps the Google 
gods know that you are still, again, alive and thriving. Side note, SEMrush, that's S-E-M-R-U-S-H. SEMrush is a company that provides website SEO and analytical tools. They have a free website audit tool to help you refine your SEO strategy. You can find it on SEMrush.com. I have that linked in the show notes. This is not an affiliate. This is just a great tool that I like using. Um, It is pretty pricey. I think it's like over a hundred bucks a month for a pricing plan, but you can do one website audit for free. So I found that really helpful if you want to just get, dip your toes into a little bit of a more complicated, um, or not even complicated, but uh, into a more robust SEO strategy. The third thing that you want to consider once your website is published is consider building it out. Now, this is where your creativity can really come in. Use your website as a tool for your business. Right now, you are probably paying for applications for things you can likely do with your website. I was. We offer website templates, and with each website template, there is a course on how you can tailor the website template to your specific brand. I built this course on Teachable, which is great. I'm actually a big fan of Teachable. I thought it was really easy to use. I have used it as a student. I've used it as someone who, you know, obviously built a course. But then, <laughs> a lot of like, I don't know, six months or so into using it, I realized I could build this same thing out with a comparable, competitive quality and zero additional cost on my website. So I did. So there's probably things and tools and other apps that you're using where you can do that same thing on your website. With your website, you can create specific landing pages so that when you run an ad, uh, you can see the results more clearly. For example, have you ever googled something and then you click on one of those sponsor links and then you go to the url and it's like a mile long and you're like i just clicked on like gusto.com why is there like a million characters right after the dot com the business is tracking whether their advertisement on google is working and what you are doing once you're on their website so if you want you can test this out right now just pull up you know Safari or whatever, or Chrome if you're on your computer or phone, type in something like payroll application. In the first few results, you're going to get either like Gusto or ADP, some payroll app. Click on it. And then in the URL, see how long it is. is That is the unique URL they are using to track what you're doing. And it's the same thing as their normal website. I mean, nothing really has changed other than it's this unique URL so they can track what's going on on, you know, your end. Um, and, and sometimes even if you look in the URL, like if you click on a sponsored ad on Google, you can sometimes see the word like Google ad or Google in the URL. So, I mean, we all know they're doing well. Now you know they're doing it. Most marketers know that it's being done. Um, and it's just a way for them to get more information and make the experience better for their users. Also, something else you can do when it comes to building out your website, you can create content for your clients. So I am personally not the biggest fan of Dubsado. I think if you have the time and the patience to work with the platform, it could be really great. But I just never found it useful myself and didn't find myself using enough of the features to justify it. 
Having said that, I still wanted to have a great onboarding process for my clients. And personally, we were able to do that with just a combination of Flowdesk email campaigns and Canva templates to create our onboarding materials. However, if you are an accounting firm that wants to include things like video content, especially for complex visuals like financial statements, you can build that out on your website and then make it a hidden page so that only your clients can see it. You can do things like password protection. I know you can do that with Squarespace, depending on the website builder that you're using. Um, you know, if you're using WordPress, it may depend on the template or something. Um, I'm sure Wix possibly has it as well, but you can likely do the exact same thing and create sort of these hidden behind the curtain areas of your website to have a more on-brand and premium looking uh, user experience, whether that's for onboarding, whether that's a course you want to do. It's really easy to do and you already have the platform. You're already paying for it. Most, I mean, Squarespace doesn't, but most website uh, web design platforms don't charge you by the page. So you might as well create more pages and get used there. Also, something else that you can do with your website and really building it out, making it more robust is you can share resources or frequently used links. Now, I have seen this done a lot of different ways. I've seen like resources page, and this is great if you have a bunch of affiliate links. I've seen people link calculators or digital products. I have also seen people reference frequently used links. So things like a link to the IRS website where you can make your estimated you know, quarterly payments or links to where clients can submit documents or submit payments to you. There are a ton of ways that you can add just additional resources to your website. It is a home base and is something that all your clients should be able to easily go to and find. Fall is just around the corner, which means at MediaBooks, we are starting to encourage you to think about tax season 2024. Now, I know it feels way too soon, but understand if you have had trouble in the past marketing your business during tax season, it's because you didn't start early. You need time to create content. Your audience needs time to get to know you. You need time to warm up those leads, which means start now. Update your website, promote a lead magnet to grow your email list, finally begin being consistent on social media, and you can do this all with our help. Check out mediabooksagency.com, our website, to learn more about how we can help you grow your online presence. Mediabooks, the only place on the internet where creative accounting isn't a bad thing.